Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Thursday the 26th of August. You're listening to Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer, on Talk Radio. As well as listening, you can, of course, also watch the show live. Uh, Talk Radio is now on your TV. Download the Talk Radio TV app or go to talkradio.tv for details on how to watch. I'll stop nagging about that uh, when you've all done it. That, that's the rule. It's, it's, it's just like classroom rules here. Coming up, the British and Americans have warned of a very high risk of a terrorist attack at Kabul Airport. Whilst the last evacuation flights of civilians uh, in uh, Afghanistan could be as early as today. Defence Secretary Ben Wallace has advised those not called to the airport by officials to consider heading to the borders and fleeing by land to Iran or Pakistan. Meanwhile, the NHS have drawn up plans to start vaccinating 12-year-olds against COVID from the first week the schools go back. Health officials have said children will not need parental consent under the school's JABS programme. As you can imagine, we'll be talking about this later in the show. Also, the UK's travel list is set to be updated later today with most European countries considered safe from being added to the red list. And Meghan and Harry, yeah, them again, have considered naming uh, the racist royal during their bombshell interview with Oprah Winfrey, according to new claims in a biography. 6.34 is the time. This is Talk Radio. Well, good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed. Very much appreciate you joining me. Uh, as always, lots to talk about um, events in Kabul and, of course, jabs for 12 years, I think we can safely say, will be uh, dominating uh, my stories today. Uh, that front page story on The Telegraph, uh, NHS draws up plans to vaccine 12 year olds, vaccinate 12 year olds. I mean, just uh, an extraordinary, extraordinarily immoral decision in my view. And I say that as someone who's very, very, very pro-vax, uh, but not uh, for children who do not need the vaccination and who will be at risk from the uh, complications of that. Well, we're going to talk about that and all the other stories besides with my guest this morning, Deputy Editor of Spiked Online, Tom Slater. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Julia. Um, before I had I have my rant about uh, using children's health and putting it at the risk uh, to uh, help a few people in their 70s and 80s, uh, damn right immoral from my view, let's talk about what's happening in Kabul. Um, the Defence Secretary, Ben Wallace, he's quoted on the front of the Times as saying, not everyone is going to get out. They're claiming this is the first time the government has admitted this, because I vividly remember him saying this over a week ago. Uh, it's very clear that not everyone's going to get out. Not even all British citizens, are those who are not able mm. to get uh, to Kabul airport, uh, 
safely. And we've seen this with Americans. American forces have had to send out you know, helicopters to, uh, and sort of secret raids to sort of try and free people to get them to the airport. We are going to be leaving thousands, certainly, of Afghans uh, who would be entitled to come to Britain behind uh, when it appears... Probably by the end of today, possibly tomorrow, we are going to be ending those civilian evacuations at Kabul airport. Um, this, of course, ahead of that 31st of August deadline next Tuesday. Biden won't budge on that, mainly because the Taliban won't budge on that. But this latest uh, concern uh, overnight has been this uh, warning mm. of a terror threat uh, from ISIS-K, apparently, is the the terror, the terror threats continue uh, against the airport. It's now considered that you know anybody, unless you are certain of getting on a plane, should now be evacuating Kabul airport by land. What do you make of this? I mean, it's a complete catastrophe. I mean, as you say, it looks like we're not even going to get all British citizens out, and that's let alone all of the people who we really owe a debt of gratitude to, who works as interpreters, who work with the army, who worked at the embassy, who just set up schools and tried to set up this Western-style civil society, who took us at our word when we said that we would help them in doing so. So on that level, it's a complete catastrophe. And you can understand why they're doing it. As you say, it's this threat from ISIS-K, who's worth pointing out, or also kind of at war with the Taliban. It's this ISIS affiliate. Yeah. Um, and that is a genuine threat. But it just underlines how brutally bungled this whole situation has been. Why, for instance, the question I keep asking myself, did we not get these people out before the US military pulled out? We knew the timetable. Yep. Taliban knew the timetable. Crying out loud. ISIS-K knew the timetable. And yet here we are. And as a result of this, as you say, not only Afghans, we owe a debt of gratitude to, but even British citizens could be put in peril and left behind because of it. I do have to wonder about particularly the British citizens who, who also knew the deadline and didn't uh, mm. aim to get out. But again, there were these assurances and Joe Biden made these, given these assurances to G7 leaders uh, only recently. That memo was released in the last, uh, well, was leaked in the last week or so, where, you know, with absolute assuring, no, don't worry, you know, Kabul is going to be fine. We're going to keep enough troops to keep Kabul safe. So people were making their way there. Um, but I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's pretty foolhardy of the people who could have got out not to have already got out. But again, as you say, a lot of those people, they're doing vital humanitarian mm. work. I mean, extraordinary work. Um, uh, you know, as you say, you know, these horrible people going to Afghanistan trying to set up schools for girls. I mean, wow, you know, let's 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 leave them in the lurch, shall we? But of course, we've got this massive concern about the Afghan interpreters. We've spoken in in the last week on my show to uh, Afghan interpreters who you know who managed to get out, but are worried about friends and family back. Uh, we spoke to one yesterday. He's still worried about close members of his family. He believes that uh, his his brother has been uh, basically executed by the Taliban. Uh, in less than a half an hour, we're going to be talking to another interpreter. He's currently in a safe house in Kabul. Uh, and he's worked with the British, the Americans and the German forces and is desperate to get out. I mean, th these these are such desperate times. Um, but the, it seems the Americans, the British, I mean, we've got French, German, Turks, others who are just going to go, well, we've, we've done our best. It, oh, you know, it was always going to be bad. Um, but of course it wasn't. And yet, I mean, yesterday I, we had Dominic Raab, the foreign secretary on the show. Mm -hmm. and, and I said at the beginning, I'm not going to ask you about your holiday because I couldn't give two hoots. Um, I mean, arguably he could have come back early from his holiday. I don't have an issue with anyone going on holiday. Even if you're the prime minister, the foreign secretary, um, there is a crisis somewhere in the world 24-7. This is absurd to say people can't have holidays. They've also got children and, and wives and husbands. Um, and, yet, and yet at least like sort of three or four minutes of everyone's sort of 10-minute slot with a foreign secretary on virtually every other media yesterday was about him paddleboarding or not. <laughs> 
um, and whether the sea was shut or not, as opposed mm. to the plight of thousands. Now, who are we kidding? Millions of people in Afghanistan. I mean, the British media have lost their minds, haven't they? No, it's really unserious. It's, pe- it's just something that people can repeat over and over again on Twitter and get their rocks off about. Meanwhile, you know, cardboard burns. I mean, this is it just shows how myopic and kind of self-obsessed a lot of the media is. I think the only thing about the holiday thing is that, first of all, this wasn't just a British issue. So you had, of course, Dominic Rabu was on holiday. Um, one, he had his um, permanent secretary yeah. was also on holiday at the same time. In the US, Joe Biden was on holiday yeah. and his press secretary was on holiday, which I think just underscores the fact, not that these people lack a days call, because they really genuinely believe their intelligence and their experts mm. when they said this would be a matter of months rather than days. And it's that catastrophic expert failure, which is definitely at the root of how this has been so badly. We, and we've bungled. never seen that in, in any analysis of the Middle East before, have we? That's a completely new thing. <laughs> this is, that's what's incredible about all of this. I mean, it, when we talk about the kind of crisis of expertise, we don't often talk about foreign policy. But really, particularly over the past 20 years, that's been where this expert failure has come at such a huge cost. You know, it pays its cost not just in GDP or whatever, but lives. Yeah. So, yes, you're right. It has become a circus, you know, just um, sneering at Dominic Raab and jokes about him saying the sea was closed and all the rest of it. But there is a serious point to this, which is that despite the fact we had this timetable and all the rest of it, because of this, just believing what intelligence mm. had told them, despite all the failures beforehand, we've let a lot of people down. There yeah. could be some very severe consequences. But indeed, I mean, we've had we've had not just weeks, we have had months, we've had years to get a lot of these interpreters and their families out. Uh, a lot of them, we've had, and we've had warnings about this. They've been reprisals from the Taliban around Afghanistan mm. for a very long time. I mean, we talked about this on the show absolutely constantly for the last week, and and, and perhaps, frankly, should have talked about it more. Well, no, definitely should have talked about it more uh, previously. But again, you know, these stories do they get to the top of the pile when you've got so much else to talk about um but the warnings not to travel to the airport um they're basically saying look we're trying to process the people we've already got uh, through into the compound and then get those on planes that's pretty much going to be it because of course uh, mm-hmm. it's going to take time to get a thousand british uh, troops out of afghanistan and get all the military equipment i mean the americans the british have already left god knows how much uh, behind for the taliban to use um I mean, we, we are we are in the, the, the final hours rather than the final days, realistically. Yeah, it seems that way. And one of the things that I keep thinking about, which is that, first of all, we've seen the scenes at Kabul Airport, we've seen the crush, we've seen the um, so many people just desperately trying to get in there. But, you know, Afghanistan's a big country as well, and there's a lot of people across that country who also need help. There's various airlifts going on and all mm. the rest of it. But, you know, the scale of the humanitarian crisis here isn't just localised there. And I think the failure of Ben Wallace having to quite honestly, but nevertheless depressingly say, many of you people have to find other routes yeah. just underscores the yeah. again the catastrophe of all of this. What do you make of this story about um, uh, the uh, Pen Farthing, ex-military man who who has been running a char- an animal charity in Afghanistan, um, actually getting their own chartering their own civilian plane? Mm. Um, apparently, there are battles. I mean, ben Wallace was trying to stop the plane being able to land and collect. Uh, in the, initially, he wanted to collect his own people. He wanted to get his own people out. The people working for his charity, completely understandably and very responsibly. Um, but apparently, you know, Ben Wallace was trying to stop this and uh and and boris johnson overruled him the claim is that carrie his wife who's an animal rights fanatic she 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 stepped in again everyone's denying everything but at the end of the day we're talking about a plane that carried out a whole load of people that's great but also 200 animals in the hold they weren't sitting in seats they were sitting in the hold but I have to say, my reaction to this is, you know, you know there's, there's the cargo hold, there's, there's cargo where it's, it's you know, going to be freezing cold at a high, at a high altitude. But the, the, the bit where animals are kept, where it's safe for animals to go, it was also safe for humans. 
Do, mm. do you wonder about the morality of people who love animals so much that, that they would take dogs and cats? And I, oh, God, I love dogs and cats. Actually, no, I love dogs. Uh, but I wouldn't even take any of the cats. But, but to take a dog or a cat out instead of a, an Afghan child, I, I do despair at some of these people's um, moral compass. I think that's exactly it. I think if you even have to think twice about what the priority there is, your moral compass is severely screwed up. I mean, I know there's a lot of competing stories mm. in all of this, but basically it comes down to the fact you've got a human catastrophe going on in Kabul airport. You know, it's a very difficult situation to manage. And so for one bloke and his charity workers and, and their dogs to be prioritised over everything else that's yeah. going on, is ridiculous. Yeah, I can exactly. understand why he wants to get his own people out, but hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, exactly, and doing, and doing great work to do that. But again, for me, mm. you know, I mean, I, I hate animal cruelty, but uh, you know, being worried about animal cruelty is a luxury. It mm. is a luxury that you're only afforded people who are living safely. Um, let's also talk about um, uh, the jabs. Um, the government is planning to roll out jabs for twelve to fifteen year olds without parental consent. I mean, that that is the added icing on the cake of the horror of this. Uh, but the NHS, uh, this hasn't been announced yet. The MHRA, uh, which approves medicines in this country, has actually approved the Pfizer vaccine uh, for 12 to 15 year olds. Obviously, the uh, JCVI, the body that advises on who should actually get the vaccine rollout, they have, well, for some reason, changed their advice, which was categoric that, you know, absolutely they weren't going to roll it out of under 18s. The evidence wasn't clear. And then they changed it to 16 and 17 year olds, but only for one jab, because the risks of the second jab, um, they believe were, would uh, they're still assessing, and there are risks of you know, heart problems and, and the like. But now we're looking at uh, the NHS drug plans. They basically health officials have been told, um, you know, they, please provide uh, information by four o'clock tomorrow. Um, the NHS regional offices of our NHS trust for vaccinating 75% of 12 to 15 year olds, uh, basically um, starting in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I find this absolutely extraordinary, but given the unbelievably infinitesimally almost unmeasurable risk mm. to children of that age from COVID um, and the undoubted small but undoubted risk of giving them jabs. This is about um, this is about sort of feeding into parental hysteria rather than actually anything that would protect children. This is about uh, a herd immunity policy to protect 80 year olds at the expense of healthy teenagers. Um, what has happened to this country? What has happened to our NHS? I have absolutely no idea. Because as you say, this is just such an abomination on so many different levels. I mean, there's the kind of health question, which is a separate issue. Um, the JCVI will come up with their recommendations. The speed with which they change position is alarming. But nevertheless, that's one without, thing. Without any new evidence apparently being put into the mix. Mm. And then, but then there's this question of parental consent, which I think is, is is the more important kind of moral question, if you like. Do we want to be in a situation in which the state can roll out these vaccines, as you say, which aren't really going to be any protection whatsoever? But it's not just they won't give children any extra protection because they don't need the extra protection. Most of these children who are getting this, uh, this vaccine won't, won't I think we might have lost Tom's line there, uh, don't even know they've got COVID or they've got a sniffle. I mean, it is absolutely extraordinary. Any parent who is uh, demanding uh, to get um, their child vaccinated as a parent, frankly, who's not been paying enough attention. Children, are, I mean, I think the risk of uh, the CDC's figures, uh, you know, you've got like 0.4% risk uh, of death uh, for, for someone in their 80s. And it's, I think it's 0.0001% for uh, under 18s. Or you might add in an extra naught there after the decimal point. I mean, it is... You know, as far as I'm aware, in this country, no healthy child under 16 or 18 has actually died. Mm. Well, no, this is it's a crucial point. And I think that at the end of the day, though, this should come down to a question of 
parental choice. Now, as you say, I know I don't even think that. I, I think there's beyond that. I think you should not be giving any treatment to a child which could cause them a small risk of harm when there is zero benefit to them. Well, I just think this is the point at which we've, when we're talking about enforcing this even over the heads of parents, or at least offering this to children over the heads of parents, I think that's when we cross an even different kind of Rubicon, if you like, yeah. because the the things that's in the story is talking about questions of, well, um, younger children can access birth control, etc., without necessarily parental consent. It's a completely different situation, yeah. because this isn't something which is of, of personal protection to them. This is something where they're being basically co-opted into an attempt to create herd immunity for the greater yeah, good. Exactly. And considering what we know now about the Delta variant and all the rest of it, and the fact that we're really probably not going to hit herd immunity in the way that we previously thought, why carry on doing this? I really uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'll I tell you what, you, you, you jab my child without my consent, you, you, you're going to be hearing from me. I mean, you'll, you'll wish you'd hear from my lawyers. You, you definitely don't want to hear from me. Uh, 6.48 is the time. This is Talk Radio. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.